Welcome to Hillhurst United Church, the podcast. We're really glad you're here. Whoever you are, wherever you're at, join us on the journey. I wonder if you'd help me um, at this point in the service. We, it's nice to connect to pe- people differently. And one, the question that I want you to think about, if you're willing to share with somebody near you, is very simple. What are you reading this summer? It might be uh, only a Facebook post. It might be a magazine. It might be a book. What are you reading these days? And so really the, the opportunity just to say your name and say, this is what I'm reading. If you don't have anything you're reading, you can say, I'm not reading anything. But it's an opportunity to meet the people around you. So just two or three in a little group, just say, what are you reading these days that you really love? It'll be one minute long. One minute. Okay. Thank you. Hope that's okay. Thank you. Hopefully you look. How many people have read the book Anxious People? Am I speaking to people that know this book? A few people. Okay. Okay, thanks for engaging. Let us pray. We give thanks for books. Books that we read when we were kids. Books that were read to us when we were kids. Books that we love. Books that we reread books that we throw away, books that challenge, books that comfort, books that remind us that we matter. On this day, we give thanks for this people and this place. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be the right words for this day. Amen. When I was going on holiday this summer, I asked a friend who's a very avid reader to recommend a book. And so they recommended the book Anxious People, which is right here. Now I have to admit, when she recommended this book, I wasn't sure I wanted to read it. Who wants to read about anxious people when you're coming out of a pandemic? Who wants to read about anxious people when your marriage is breaking up? Who really wants to read about anxious people? So it sat in my backpack for quite some time until I finally got it out. I mean, I was really looking for them to suggest a book like Happy People, or Healthy People, or Stick Your Head in the Sand People. I don't know anything that was not going to be about anxiety or anxiousness. But I was so wrong about this beautiful novel that I'm recommending to you because it speaks about your life and your spiritual life, which is why I'm talking about it today in church. Funnily enough, it's a book about idiots. A book about idiots. How's that for one of the first things you learn about it as you start to read the book? It seems like a harsh way to describe anyone to call them an idiot. But Bachman, at the very beginning of the book, writes these words. This story is about a lot of things, but mostly it's about idiots. So it needs to be said right off the start that it's always very easy to declare other people are idiots but only if you forget how idiotically difficult being a human being is. Especially if you have other people you're trying to be reasonably good human being for, because there is such an unbelievable amount that we're all supposed to be able to cope with these days. We're supposed to have a job. We're supposed to have somewhere to live. We're supposed to have a family. We're supposed to pay our taxes. We're supposed to have clean underwear. And we're supposed to remember the password for our damn Wi-Fi. He goes on in a beautiful way to say, our hearts are like bars of soap 
that we keep losing control of the moment we relax and they drift off and fall in love and get broken all in the wink of an eye so this book is both words of beautiful wisdom like that interspersed with the story and the main story of this book about idiots is about a botched robbery here's the gig the robber in this story has recently divorced has to take care of their kids and is living in an apartment and they need the first month and last month rent $6,500 is all they want to rob and they go into a bank and hold up their gun but suddenly discover it's a cashless bank <laughs> oh you idiot so the robber flees out of the bank down the street to an open house the day before New Year's who but idiots goes to an open house to buy a house the day before New Year's so suddenly she has a room full of other idiots that she's in hostage with it's a, a beautiful mix of people who are extremely different who are captive in their own idiot space here while they're held captive for a short time they share their secrets their vulnerabilities their anxieties their wounds and their weariness each in their own idiotic way there's Zara what a beautiful name Zara she's a bank manager who's crusty and hard-hearted there's Estelle she's in her 80s 80s an eccentric widow who pretends that her husband really hasn't died there's Julia and Joe a les lesbian couple who are worried about becoming new parents there's Lena and Roger who've been long married and have a hobby of buying homes and quickly flipping them to avoid the dysfunction in their marriage there's Leonard a guy who sabotages house sales every time by showing up in some weird costume to have people think that the people living in the neighborhood are weird and in this movie he's a rabbit or in this book so you see in all of this in this captive space are all these people who are all idiots just like you and me who with time share their vulnerabilities their stories as they dare to step into truth telling the other huge metaphor in this book is the word bridge the bridge is seen from the room where the people are held hostage now the bridge is significant in this book because one of the police officers who's outside this captive group earlier in his young career saw a person jump off the bridge and he's riddled with guilt that he couldn't save that person and from that point on in his career he became a policeman the intervening story of this bridge is so important because Zara who's the hard crusty banker when someone came in to ask for a loan in their time and they'd said that they lost all of their money she said to them it's your fault you lost your money and didn't give him the loan this very man is the one who jumped from the bridge but before he jumped left an envelope for her she carried that envelope for many many years afraid to open to see the contents when she finally opens that envelope there are four words boldly spoken it wasn't your fault it wasn't your fault these key words leap off the page as she discovers it wasn't her fault after all these years of beating herself up 
I reckon the words, it's not your fault, are perhaps the most healing words we all need to hear at different points in our life. They're words that remind us that we may have been an idiot, but it's not our fault. This book makes you laugh out loud and cry. It's got wisdom and storytelling. I'm even told it's a Netflix series, although I haven't seen it. But here is this beautiful community of idiots experience being captive and held in that space to truly be real about their own life story. So often we're not real about our real life story. The author writes, the world is a lonely place filled with lonely people who may find community. The kindness of others or a stranger is cleansing. And when we open our lives with transparency and honesty, it cures what ails us. It's not your fault are key words in this book. Key words for us if we have anxiety or anxiousness in our life. I love that honesty. I know that we're all idiots in some way. We've all fallen, we've all made mistakes, we've all hurt someone or said something or done something that we regret. And in our idiocy, I wonder if we should all have a t-shirt that says, yes, I was an idiot. And the back should say, but it's not my fault. This anxiety that we feel clearly came out in the pandemic by all of us in so many different ways, whether in our family or our community, obviously in our political world. And there are many things that heighten our anxiety. Sometimes it is in the environment. Sometimes our anxiety is in our genetics, in our brains. Sometimes we've learned to be anxious people. But the truth is, anxiety isn't our fault. Here's some of these refrains. You are in no way the cause of your anxiety, and living with anxiety is not your fault. It's not your fault if you naturally have a more anxious, inhibited, sensitive temperament. It's not your fault. It's not your fault if you have a lower drive to be social and you're much happier being yourself by yourself. It's not your fault. It's not your fault if you have a developmental difference like being, being autism spectrum that makes socializing different or awkward. It's not your fault if you receive negative messages about yourself at an age when you were too young to question them or challenge them. It's not your fault. It's not your fault if you had some particularly memorable, embarrassing social experience when you're young and it still haunts you. It's not your fault. It's not your fault if you were teased, picked on, or bullied. It's not your fault if you were abused as a child and trust was broken. It's not your fault that you were part of a system that was racist or homophobic or sexist or made you anxious. It's not your fault. It's not your fault if you had a personality and interest that didn't fit with your peers. It's not your fault that your marriage ended. It's not your fault that your parents did what they did. They did their best. It's not your fault if you lost your job. It's not your fault you had an anxious, awkward, or overprotective parents who instilled in you unhelpful social styles in you now. It's just not your fault. It's just not your fault. 
I don't know what it is in your life, fill in the blank, but it's just not your fault. These are perhaps the most redemptive words in this book, it's not your fault. And as I thought about the scripture passage, it reminds us, be not anxious, yet we know we are anxious, but you do not know. When you're walking in nature, there's something about that connection that we all feel and experience that that washes away when we see the lilies of the field, or we see the mountain, or hear the water. Creation reminds us in its beauty that it's not our fault. I believe the entire message of Jesus is grounded in those four words. It's not your fault. I imagine every parable, every story he told had as a subtext, it's not your fault. It's not your fault that people called you a leopard and shoved you to the side, Jesus said. It's not your fault that you couldn't help, as sometimes people judge. It's not your fault that boundaries were set and you were shunned aside. It's just not your fault. The greatest of all parables, the prodigal son story, is clearly as the son returns home into the welcoming arms of the father, not waiting for apology, simply saying, it's not your fault, welcome home. I thought you were lost and you were found. I thought you were dead and you are alive. The whole of Jesus' ministry is reminding people it's not their fault what has happened to them. It's just not. No matter what anybody tells you, it's just not. So much of the COVID pandemic was about blaming and pointing fingers at others. Whether it was in our homes, in our communities, or on television, or in convoys, or in streets, we were continually about blaming the other. And in our anxiety, we all jumped in and leapt in with the loudest voice. And you will know that in my life, my marriage fell apart during that time. Do you know that for eight months, every three days, I moved houses? I left, Anna left, and in that time, for eight months, every three days, we were living in different places. I was literally spinning. Anybody who's been through difficult times like separation or divorce knows that. It's anxious, you blame yourself, you blame the other. You're homeless, you're stressed. I wasn't present to you the way I might like to have been. I was completely distracted, as I think would be a normal thing for most people. I wasn't very good at my job. I was trying to hard to be a good parent and understand what was going on in the pandemic and in my own personal life. I was treading water, trying to keep my head above the water, holding my breath, hoping I wouldn't drown, trying very hard to say to myself, it's just not my fault. It's easy to hear those words. It's hard to know them and own them and live them. And every day I will still say to myself, it's just not my fault. The truth of the pandemic, my friends, was it was about anxiousness and it was no one's fault. And our response or the other person's opinion is not their fault either. It's no one's fault. A friend who read this book said to me these words, the words, it's not your fault, can release myself and those I love, those I used to love, from the torment of wondering what if. It's not your fault, 
allows us to experience the grace that God already has for each and every one of us. It's not your fault, our key words from the Creator who whispers them in our ear if we can hear her whispering them. It's just not your fault. I want to read this last two paragraphs from this beautiful, brilliant book. The truth, the truth about all this, the truth is that there was a, this was a story about many different things, but most of all about idiots. Because we're doing the best we can, all of us, we're all doing the best we can. We're trying to be grown up and love each other and understand how the hell you're supposed to insert USB cubes. We're looking for something to cling on to, something to fight for, something to look forward to. We're all doing what we can to teach our children to swim. We have all of this in common, yet most of us remain strangers. We never know what we do to each other, how your life is affecting mine and mine yours. Perhaps we hurried past each other in a crowd today and neither of us noticed and the fibers of your coat brushed against mine for a single moment, and then we were gone. I don't know who you are, and you don't know who I am, but when you get home this evening, when you get home this evening, when the day is over and the night takes us, allow yourselves a deep breath. Allow yourself a deep breath because we made it through this day as well. There'll be another day tomorrow. May you take a deep breath and may you say to yourself, it's not my fault. Amen. Thanks so much for tuning in to Hillhurst United Church, the podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and are thinking about someone who might enjoy it too, we invite you to send it their way and help the podcast grow. We're really glad you're here and we'd love to know what you thought about today's sermon. Leave us a review in iTunes or send us an email at communications at hillhurstunited.com. We'd love to hear from you.